Do I look fat? Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Do I Look Fat podcast. My guest this week is a certified night owl, the creator of the New York Times featured documentary, Dangerous Curves, and someone who has coined the term, dish your trainer, get a diva, Miss Roz the Diva. How are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Thank you so much for coming. Um, anyone who's just hearing of Ross for the first time, she is a certified personal trainer and pole dance instructor based out of New York City, and she is a proud plus-sized woman. Um, like I said, she's based out of New York City. How are things with you with COVID and trying to get back into the swing of everything? You know what's crazy is right after you asked me, Roz, how are you doing? I just like, you know, I said, oh, I'm great because I'm excited to be on this show and to be, a, um, to be a guest on your show today. But honestly, I'm stressed the hell out. <laughs> and my anxiety is roaring. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing has been crazy with COVID. And I've been extra super, super extra lucky because I haven't, I still have the income. My family is safe. I'm safe. No one's getting evicted tomorrow. And, you know, we all have health insurance, I think, or some, somebody can cover us for something. But so even in being an extremely privileged position, um, I'm still going through it. And New York city in particular I believe all of us will have varying degrees of PTSD, Mm -hmm. like collectively as a city, because we got hit so damn hard. And we really, truly felt it. Like we were in, we've been in lockdown or some version of lockdown since early Mm -hmm. March, since mid-March. And it's, um, you know, it really has taken a toll on everybody. And it's almost impossible for it to not have taken a toll on everyone. So, so, you know, we're getting by, I'm getting by. I, like I said, I want to acknowledge my privilege as much as possible because I know there's a lot of people getting their ass kicked more, but damn, it is. That's, that's how I'm feeling (laughs) right now. You know, it's very much day to day. Some days are good and great days. Other days I'm like, you know, I could do this whole bottle of wine for Mm -hmm. breakfast. And would that be the worst thing? No. No, not at all. I mean, sometimes you just need it. Um, I'm glad that you said something about PTSD because just being on the train now, it's so, it's it's scary. It's like, you don't want to be next to anybody and everyone is still, is back to being on top of one another. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to, I actually quit my job. I was working throughout the whole quarantine. Um, I worked for, yeah. I worked for a hand surgeon. So, you know, we stood open the entire time and I worked the whole quarantine. And now that schools are opening back up, I actually, I'm blessed to be able to stay home and keep my son home. You know, as, a, as some of you might know, he's on the spectrum. So it's very hard for him to, you know, respect social distancing. And I just, I wasn't ready for him to go back and I'm home now, so luckily yeah. I'm not, you know, taking the train and going every which way, but it, there's definitely a level of PTSD for me, for sure, for sure. 
yeah, you know, when I do, I try not to, you know, just throw around like casual words of like legit mental, mental health diagnoses. But, you know, I, I think that's what it's going to be. I think everybody, we're going to have different levels of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to have different, you know, how it manifests itself in people is going to look differently. But, you know, there's something about going through COVID in a major city and in such a dense place like New York City was a very unique experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about unique compared to people, even my parents on Long Island, you know, they're in the suburbs, they're, but they're only an hour away, but their lockdown experience was night and Completely day different. compared to ours. Completely different. I mean, we even went through like um, a curfew Never in my life would I think that I would have to be home by a certain time in New York City and not allowed to go back out. That was insane to me. Yeah, yeah. the The curfew, the curfew was a little scary, mm -hmm. and you know, on top of on top of all the COVID stress, then everyone decided that Black people were cool again, mm -hmm. and maybe we should be mad on their behalf, mm -hmm. which I am extremely thankful mm -hmm. for that there's all these people who are newly interested in becoming allies and want to fight for my mm -hmm. life and the life of my parents and my family and my sister. But that was, for me, that was an extraordinary amount of stress. Yeah, it was a lot. It definitely was a yeah, lot. Yeah, that, that, there was a lot that came with that. And I think it was, and it's still going to be a rocky transition into allyship. Mm -hmm. And not just for those who are non-Black who would like to be allies for Black Lives Matter, but also for those of us who are Black, we've never had an outpouring of support like this, certainly not in my millennial generation. And so we're also trying to figure out what the hell do we do with all these allies? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we work in tandem and there's no rules to this. There's no rules, there's no right or wrong way. So it's everybody doing their best to kind of get their way through it. And that also has, you know, that's been, it's been great. And I'm, I, this is a good problem to right. have, but it still is emotionally taxing to say mm -hmm. the least. So, you know, that added a whole new layer Everything. A layer of stress for sure. And then it's like, you know, we have all yep. of these new allies, but it's like, are they doing it for the Instagram likes? Are they doing it to keep their business afloat? Do they really feel this way? Um, so that's another thing that everyone like has to key on, you know, build on top. It's just, it's a lot. And living in New York City, um, New York City itself, and I think I've said this before on my podcast, it's its own culture. And it's so different from everywhere else, like completely different. And people don't understand that the way we got hit was just, it was so detrimental to everyone, whether it was financial or just, you know, for your mental, it was, it was a lot that we went through for a very long time. Yeah. You know, I found myself, you know, I, I found myself angry mm -hmm. almost at, people in the suburbs that had more space mm, yes because I felt like you know you almost had to cry to get COVID how the hell did all this spread right you? like you're in your car you have your own home 
you know, most people have some plot of land or a yard. Like basically there's far more space per person than there is in New York mm-hmm. City. And I'm like, with all this space and you still got COVID, that means you were going out of your way to be canoodling with right. other people. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's definitely frustrating for sure. Okay, so we're going to get into our first icebreaker game. This is somewhere where, you know, we break the ice, get to know each other. So um, it's a this or that or like a would you rather kind of situation. So I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? The first one is, would you rather do 100 push-ups or 300 sit-ups? 300 sit-ups, for sure. I feel you on that because my upper body body strength is almost non-existent <laughs> and me doing push-ups is so terrible I really need to work on it I should be able to do 100 push-ups but I'm, I can't I literally cannot I mean you know that that question of like what you should and shouldn't be able to do one thing that I've learned being a personal trainer and doing a lot of <clears throat> pole dancing is the should and shouldn't, like, those rules basically throw them all out the window. Because every body and every person is so unique and so mm-hmm. different. And one of the reasons why the fitness industry is a low-key disaster is because we've been, we have been forced, we've been, we've been shoving this, this question of, like, should we and shouldn't we down everyone's throat. Mm-hmm. And that's what's gotten us in big trouble because you should look like this you should be able to do that but who said right. that you know you know and you know, it's kind of one of those questions like well I don't know that's just what I've done heard. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know and this is where people's um you know this is where confidence goes to die essentially is when we think about well I should in theory be able to do this but yeah no that actually does make sense because I'm I'm saying I should be able to as like a 35 year old woman who is in general good health but my anatomy I'm just stronger in my legs like all my life I can wear I told my friend the other day I was like I don't even need to wear heels because you know girls wear heels so that their calf muscles show I'm wearing flats and my calf muscles are just prominent and I have not worked out in a gym in forever but that's just the way my body composition is. I'm strong in my legs. I have muscle in my legs. Now my arms, on the other hand, that's something I definitely have to work on. But I appreciate you saying that I should definitely get that should mentality out of my head. What I should do is yeah. what my body is able to do. It word <laughs> word. Ooh, that was beautiful. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> Merch coming soon. <laughs> Yeah, this should, but I, I totally agree with you, and my legs are also my strongest mm-hmm. point, and that's typical of female mm-hmm. bodies, is that that's where our power is, you know, especially since, you know, we're the ones giving birth, um, or at least people with uteruses are the ones giving mm-hmm. birth, and so you've got to have those strong hips to pop out a mm-hmm. kid, which, shout out to you, because parents in my eyes are superheroes and I literally don't understand how you all function much less how you cook a child in your stomach and then you gotta get out all at once is money and food right. <laughs> money and food that's all my life is about with this kid I'm telling you uh, <laughs> all right so the next one is 
Would you rather never sweat during a workout or never feel sore after a workout? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is bananas because I'm so used to both. Right. <laughs> I think I think the feeling of, gosh, I want to say the feeling of soreness is what I'd want to get rid of. But also, it's a little Stockholm syndrome <laughs> because that feeling of soreness is like an old friend. And it's like you feel like you didn't do anything if you're not sore almost. Like, was it? I know, which is another fucking just. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. We can curse on I'm here. trying. We can curse on here. It's fine. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Okay, good. Like, because I'm. <laughs> That's another like fucked up fitness thing is like, if there's no pain, then you weren't working hard right. enough, which also wasn't true, mm -hmm. but, and I don't just, I don't work out until pain, but you kind of know when your muscles are done, when you're just like, all right, bitch, we got nothing left in this tank. Can we please <laughs> go and get a burger? Right. <laughs> so, like, right. so like that, that part is, that's the like, hello, old friend, we meet again. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm so sweaty. I'm the person that can sweat in the middle of a snowstorm. Ah, yes. I'm, I'm that person. Exactly. And I always sweat on, like, the top of my head. It never fails. Like, so I have to, when I work out, I have to wear either a sweatband or a hat because if not, it's going in my eyes and I can't see and it's a whole mess. It's a whole mess. Yep. Yep. I've got that, that sweaty eye bomb is like, <laughs> whoa, who ordered the salt right. in the cornea? <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is hilarious. Okay, so this one is funny. Would you rather have an insanely mean personal trainer and have immediate results or a super sweet personal trainer and see results after a few months? Oh my gosh, you basically described me <laughs> versus every douchebag trainer that exists. <laughs> so hi everybody, I'm Roz the Diva. <laughs> I am the perpetual cheerleader happier than life how does she have this much energy over damn push-ups kind of trainer <laughs> and as much as and I you know I I still struggle with a ton of body weight and self-esteem related mm -hmm. issues I when I have worked with really tough teachers or really tough coaches it just, even if I get results, I'm almost resentful of those results mm. if they come at the expense of, like, my happiness. Right. And if they, if they make me feel like shit on the inside, then the, I can't even enjoy what's going on on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and some people, some people respond really well to that they like that tough style of coaching like my father you know my parents which shout out to mom dad granny and Lindsay. <laughs> shout out to them you know my my father is a lifelong athlete and he is someone he likes that tough coaching he wants someone to treat him like we're going after varsity football tryouts <laughs> and you know he responds to that and that that he's like i'm here for it that intensity mm -hmm. um i on the other hand could not be any more different and especially because the clients that I work with are typically vulnerable in some way 
And I don't mean vulnerable in the sense that they're weak, mm-hmm. but I mean vulnerable in that they are, their bodies are typically underrepresented in fitness. Right. Um, and they're mostly um, plus size women, as well as people in the LGBTQ fam, mm-hmm. um, people working through trauma, mm-hmm. those with disabilities and adaptive needs. And um, a lot of people who are working through fitness-related anxiety. And so many of the people that come to me with that fitness anxiety is because they previously had a hardcore trainer, but they, it didn't match, the trainer didn't match what they needed as an athlete. And the trainer wasn't able to support them in the way that they felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so they've gone in their previous situation feeling powerless right. and feeling like I'm just going to keep failing because my coach keeps yelling at me because I'm not fast enough and I'm not slender enough and I'm not like the super top athlete. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's where I come in is I come in to clean up the mess and the carnage left after terrible trainers. Right. That can be traumatizing. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying yeah, like I'm not saying that people who are tough are terrible trainers because that's not mm-hmm. true, but it's certainly not true. But just there, there's a lot of people who don't even understand that that's only one type of trainer, mm-hmm. and not all personal trainers are mistrunchable evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you refer to all of your clients as athletes because I have, you know not in the past two years, but you know, in the past, I want to say 10 years or so after my son, I definitely started working out more, started incorporating more fitness, more running, more weightlifting into my routine, but I've never considered myself an athlete. And I just, that's crazy to me because I'm doing all of these athletic things. And it was so, a, so much a big part of my routine and of my day to day, but I never would refer to myself as an athlete. And I love that. I really do. Yeah. And you know, I think that's important because many of my clients have also told me that when I call them athletes, it's the first time anybody's ever called them Mm -hmm. an athlete. And this goes back to, well, what do people define as athletic? We are presented with one image, generally speaking, of what an athlete is or what an athlete should look like. And spoiler alert, doesn't look like either one right. of us. <laughs> you know, it's typically, um, for women, it's typically those who present female and those with a small weight. Mm-hmm. They look like they're 22. They're most likely white mm-hmm. and they're able-bodied. And that's, those athletes absolutely do exist, but that's like 1% of the population that exists on earth. And when I, you know, I have like a three question test when people like, Oh, I'm not like an athlete though. Like, I just want you to understand that. I'm just like a person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, first of all, do you hate warming up? The answer is yes. Then you're an athlete. Cause guess what? (laughs) All athletes hate warming up. Oh my God. Are your sneakers funky? (laughs) The answer is absolutely. You know why? Because every athlete's footwear is funky. (laughs) Now, doesn't mean that it's like real offensive funk, but the funk, there's always a little bit of somebody. 
no matter how many times you wash your sneakers or wash your soles, it's just what mm -hmm. happens. And then last but not least, have you ever tried or successfully lied to your boss about why you need to leave work early? <laughs> Maybe it was a dentist appointment. <laughs> Maybe it was, I have to pick my kid up from soccer, soccer being in quotations, mm -hmm. or it's because you had to get to Roz's afternoon pole class <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out, but what I'm saying is that I have simultaneously been a child, a therapist appointment, a dentist, a doctor. <laughs> I've been the DMV. Mm -hmm. I have been a whole lot of people's excuses why they need to ditch work and go do something that they like doing. If you've ever done that, even if you thought about it, then you're an athlete. Right. right. And that's amazing. That That is really amazing. Debunking like that stigma of what an athlete is or isn't. Like we can all be athletes. We're doing things that are athletic. We're making time in our in our day to day, which isn't easy for these things that make us happy. You know, provide all of this. Um, what is it that your body endorphins when it releases when yeah. you're when you're exercising and it makes you happy? Because I will say this: working out for me does make me happy. It's the getting there that's the problem. And oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Once I've done it. No question. I'm, I'm so excited and I'm just so happy with myself that I pushed through it and all of that. But getting there and putting on my gym clothes or putting on my sneakers, walking to the gym, I'm just like, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm the same way. I also, and this is another myth to kind of debunk, you know, people think that trainers and fitness coaches, all we want to do is live at the gym 24 seven. And we have this built in motivation and we, we're fine to do this all the time. Um, humanity. <laughs> Just the word humanity. And in this case, while I do love working out more than the average person, it still is, it can be a task for me as well. And especially during times of upheaval, like we're in right now, literally living out the live stream of the book of Revelation. <laughs> On it. even things that you love to do and you know are going to help you it still takes a lot of work mm -hmm. to get there mm -hmm. and to do that because there's a lot besides the besides the obvious changes so we know obviously like there's COVID out there there's stress but there's a lot of cascading effects like people they have different movement patterns mm -hmm. They have different sleeping patterns. We have different eating patterns. And so our bodies are going through not only physical changes, but physiological changes as well. And that's where like the sleeping and the eating and the stress levels have a play a big part in our athletic lives. And I found myself during lockdown I've been walking almost every day, but there was probably about a month or so where I wasn't really doing much of anything mm -hmm. and because my anxiety was crazy. Mm -hmm. And even though just like you, I've never regretted when I have gone out for a walk or gone to, you know, um, or gone to like to the gym to working out, but it took something different in mm -hmm. me to do that. To get the motivation to so, do so. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think, and, you know, I actually, I would like to clarify something about the word motivation. Okay. Too. Yes. Love it. Go ahead. So I, people ask me all the time and through DMs and stuff, they're like, Roz, I need motivation to work out. I love your content, but I can't do it. Give me motivation. I think people are looking, when they say motivation, they're looking for some magic words that somebody clearly must have, mm -hmm. and that's going to get them to actually get up and do stuff that looks undesirable. Let's take out the word motivation. You don't need motivation to eat an ice cream sandwich. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's delicious and fun and awesome. <laughs> you need motivation to go have a colonoscopy. Right. Because that, that's not fun. Mm -hmm. No, that's not delicious and beautiful <laughs> like an ice cream sandwich mm -hmm. is. So I think you don't need to be motivated when you like, when something that you're going to do is awesome. Mm -hmm. So for people who are looking for that motivation, I don't want you to look for motivation in magic words. I want you to look for something that you like doing. Mm. Yes. Because then you don't have to go out of your way to find the courage to get up and to go. That's when you start lying to your boss about, bitch, I got the role. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's been the reason why I've been able to be consistent mm -hmm. is because I only do shit that I like doing. Right. If I don't like doing it, like I respect the hell out of yoga, but it's not a good fit for mm -hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So if, but if I force myself to just do yoga all the time, yeah, then you need motivation because I don't want to do yoga. But if you tell me, Roz, we're going to come to class because we have to do a twerk circle, <laughs> I'm like, well, sign me right. the fuck what up. What song are we twerking to? Because I have a playlist. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay. So those are my thoughts on motivation. Mm -hmm. No, that makes complete, complete sense. So I wanted to get into our next segment. And it's called Eat Your Heart Out. And it's basically where we talk about diet trends, um, eating habits, things that people do, either whether it's just to lose weight or to eat healthier and all of that. And today I wanted to talk about the flexitarian diet. The aim of the flexitarian diet is to help people gain the benefits of a vegetarian lifestyle, but while still allowing them to eat small amounts of, an of animal products. So you eat mostly fruits and vegetables, legumes, and whole grains. You focus on um, getting your protein from plants instead of animals, but you are still flexible to incorporate meat and animal products from time to time. Um, what they want you to do is eat less processed foods, more natural form foods, limit added sugar and sweets. And I must say, when I had lost the majority of my weight and kept it off, and this was when I turned 30, because, you know, I turned 30 and I wanted to revamp my whole lifestyle. I wanted to be fit and strong with a flat stomach and all of this. The, what worked for me was something like a flexitarian diet. Um, I get tired. I have been dieting. So I have struggled with my weight since I was a little girl. I've always been, you know, the chunky girl with the big cheeks or whatever. I might not have been, you know, like obese, even though I thought I was. Um, I did always, I was always bigger than the girls like in my class. And so <laughs> I am tired of dieting. Like dieting is just, I just don't want to do it anymore. I really, truly don't. Um, 
you have a video on your Instagram. And if you don't follow Roz the Diva on Instagram, you definitely should. Um, and it's you eating an ice cream cone while doing like a park workout <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> yes. I loved that video because you were just like, well, if they didn't want me to eat ice cream in the park during my workout, then they shouldn't have been riding around the park. Like I lived for that post because I'm tired of always, you know, just not being able to eat the things that I enjoy. Like, yes, you shouldn't do it all the time. There's all the time foods and then there's sometime foods. And I think that's what I'm trying to get into the habit of. Um, what would you say your diet is made up of at this time? Oh, yes. So um, before we actually continue, I would like to specify for everybody listening, mm -hmm. is just another little knowledge bomb out there. I would like you to rewrite the definition of diet. Mm because there is the like slim fast version of diet, which is something that's temporary and meant to kind of like shock your system or I don't know, basically get you into trouble is what it typically right. does. And those I'm very much opposed to. As opposed to now, what we are speaking about is diet in the sense of what are your eating patterns, period. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for people to understand those two meanings of diet because they come both of those come with such different um cultural assumptions they come with different definitions different kind of lifestyles so i think that's important if anybody is not there yet to reconsider their definition of diet mm -hmm. number one number two uh nutrition is a huge struggle for me mm -hmm. and this is also where your idea of athletics and in shape and what people should be doing goes completely out the window because what you, your weight in particular is primarily determined by what you eat. Mm -hmm. And most people think, and I used to be one of them, that if you just did a million hours of cardio and and then, you know, you ate like decent, like, oh, I'll totally lose weight and be small and all my problems will be solved. And nothing could be further from the mm -hmm. truth, but I didn't know that until I really started digging into study this. And what I also started to realize is that working out and nutrition are two completely different beasts. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why dietitians have a separate degree program than exercise science, science scientists and trainers and physiologists. Like they're they're siblings, but they're two completely different bodies. And that's another thing that I want people to understand. So that's the context of how I think about what right. I do. And for me, as I mentioned before, nutrition is really difficult because it's so emotional for me. Mm. With working out in gym stuff, physically, I'm happy as hell because I'm excited about what I can do. But on the other flip side, I still don't like how I look. Mm -hmm. And I still, I've been fortunate that I don't have an eating disorder, but I certainly have disordered eating. Mm. Oh, I like that. Meaning that, 
Right. Yeah. Meaning, you know, that I food uh, food has a huge emotional component over me and how I look plays directly into my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I am laser focused on the foods that I'm consuming, I often do see results in my body, favorable results. When I'm on my shit, I'm like, yes, give me every plant possible, <laughs> still sucking back 40 chickens a day, but making sure I chase the chickens with a whole bunch of plants. And I see positive results, but it is also exhausting beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who has ever had to track their macros, and that is the douchey way of saying count calories, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, But it's more than calories that we're counting. We're looking at fat, fiber, uh, protein, and carbs. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you're tracking all those things, it's, it's helpful to do because you learn a lot about portion size. You learn about food. You learn about, well, this is how much chicken I thought I was eating. Turns out I was totally wrong when I actually weighed the chicken or I portioned it out. And that's very important to do but it could also, the dark side of that is for people like me who numbers and data carry so much weight, you get, you start to get obsessed and ruled by it. And so there were times where I would look at food, not even as food, but I'm already calculating fat, protein, carb, fiber, fat, protein, carb, fiber. And if I felt that, you know, I had enough, like I did Weight Watchers for a while. And it was helpful because it taught me a lot about portion sizes. And, you know, with Weight Watchers, every food is assigned a point value. So after a few months of Weight Watchers, I lost a bunch of weight, but I was also looking at food as just a calculation. Mm -hmm. I was looking at food as just numbers. And if I had gone over my daily point limit for the day, which happens, I would then, I would, the guilt and the shame would kick in. And I would also be guilty because I'm like, I know I'm over my points, but I'm so hungry. Mm -hmm. I want to eat, but I shouldn't, but I am, but is it okay? And all these kind of questions, is this or is this not okay? It's difficult to ask those and answer them on your own. And you know, this is why, and I'm not blaming the Weight Watchers program necessarily, because like I said, it did teach me a lot about portion control, but for people like me also who like numbers and spreadsheets and analyzing things to mm-hmm. depth, when you're given this detailed data, it is easy to become obsessed with right. it to a healthy obsession, uh, excuse me, an unhealthy obsession. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of my background with how I eat and what I eat. And the last couple of years, um, I'm actually right now, if I had to guess, I'm probably 260, maybe 265, mm-hmm. which is the heaviest that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not proud of that, nor do I like mm-hmm. it, but I'm dealing with that better 
mm-hmm. than when I would say 40 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that, I don't have that, that number and that food obsession. I'm still very aware of what I eat, but I have a little more balance. And, um, well, actually, I mean, I have balance most days, but COVID also, I lost my mind. I was like, I'm sorry, is that a white carbohydrate? I'll take 400. (laughs) And not to demonize white carbs or any one type of food, but I, it just shows how fragile, like my idea of like, oh, I can sustain this. And I can sustain for the most part how I eat. And like in terms of having a balance between like cookie dough and carrots. <laughs> but COVID came and I just used that as an excuse to dive head first into whatever the hell I felt like eating. And for me, it just reminded me how like, again, as I mentioned, it reminded me how fragile that like how easily I could fall back into habits that weren't serving me and habits that weren't helping me achieve my athletic goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying (laughs) to kind of crawl out of those habits now to varying degrees. Um, And so, yeah, so it's, it's complicated. It's layered. It's, it's also, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people because I think if the average American looked at my fridge and looked at the kind of foods that I'm eating, what I'm doing. Some people might see me as like, I'm on a perpetual diet. All I eat is diet food. But then there's other people that would look in my fridge and be like, well, there goes diabetes. Mm. And so that's also really, that's really hard for me to not judge myself and to figure out, like, to decide for myself, is, are these habits that are serving you well and if they are cool Mm -hmm. if they're not what can you alter about these eating habits that is still like emotionally satisfying but also your a1c and your blood sugar stays at a safe level but that is my 45 minute answer (laughs) no no i love it because honestly it's like you said in the beginning your diet is more than just the fad diets that you hear like you know slim fast weight watchers keto even because to me i've tried keto and keto is not sustainable in long term for me like i cannot live off of just fats like i i, I can't fats and vegetables like i need my carbs they they just they do something to me they make me happy <laughs> well they do you also and that's the thing is there's no one food group or no, I'm sorry, not one food group, but there's no, there's nothing that is all horrible mm-hmm. for you. Right. Like in terms of fat, protein, fiber, carbs, you need a healthy mix mm-hmm. of all of those right, A things. balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a ba- that's what a balance mm-hmm. is. And I think this is where culturally things get really, really complicated and layered Mm -hmm. because depending on the foods of your family's culture Mm -hmm. one culture might look at them like whoa that's a death sentence why would you ever do Mm -hmm. that that 
same food, another culture is going to look at it like this has given me life. Mm-hmm. This has sustained my family. This lets me feed my family. And it's culturally celebrated and accepted. Mm-hmm. And this is, and it's, there's no right or wrong answer for a lot of foods. Yeah. You know, I joke that the only, the only foods that I'm like, okay, no one should be eating this is like pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if somebody can show me the nutritional value of like a cheese doodle. <laughs> the nutritional value, right. So, exactly. You know, and listen, I still... I eat shit, like I just mm-hmm. said. So I don't want to make it seem I'm holier than that. Like I don't have bullshit that I eat too. But I think um, it takes a lot of work to to determine for yourself what works and what doesn't. And it takes a ton of trial and error, like a lot, like years of trial and mm-hmm. error. And just because Jesus is funny, once you find something that works for you, it no longer two, does. three years later, it might not yeah. work. And you might have to start this process all over mm-hmm. again. And that's when you want to punch a baby seal. Because <laughs> you're like, I just went through this trash bullshit. Now you're asking me again to do this? And that's, that's what yeah. happens. But I think that's so what happens I, because you're not in like the balance. So you're just doing so much of one thing that it's no longer going to serve yeah. you. It's no longer going to work for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And also like coming to terms with that and recognizing that once you got one thing, if it doesn't work, that doesn't mean that you failed. Right. It does not at all mean that you failed. It just means you just have different needs during that mm-hmm. time. So I think the key is staying flexible mm. and understanding that you're going to have to stay flexible Stay successful. Mm. There's no way yes. that everyone is going to have the same eating habits like now than they had maybe like five years mm-hmm. ago. Generally speaking, like if you've been a vegetarian for 20 years, yeah, you're probably still going to be vegetarian, but maybe your sources of protein might mm-hmm. change. Or if you start working out, the quantities of food are probably going to change. Mm-hmm. And the types of need are going to change based on your age and your activity level and I think if people knew that if you know this is going to change then that might make it easier to accept in the first place rather than get in your head like this is how I have to do it for the rest of my life that's right. it because that's when it goes off the rails I agree I agree a hundred percent being flexible is key for sure um okay so we're going to get into our next segment And this is the heart on my sleeve segment. And it's where I basically, you know, talk about things that go on with me, but also things that I've gone through. Um, And I wanted to speak to you today. I know we've touched on this, you know, because this is your brand. It's not looking fit even when you are fit and the stigma that Mm -hmm. comes along with that. So, you know, as we've said before, you are a plus size pole dancer, which is never seen i've i've never really seen one you are the first one and i lo- i live for it i've been following you on instagram for a while like you are just so bomb and i don't think people truly understand how strong you are just to pull yourself up on that pole um arms legs core like all of that you are so fit as opposed to someone who may be 100 pounds less than you and who would not be able to do that. Um, 
And to this day, I'm still so self-conscious on how I'm looked at while I'm working out because I feel like people look at me and again, this is probably all mental, but I feel like people look at me because I'm bigger and because I'm working out, like, I feel like I, I can't, I can't breathe as heavy or like, I can't pant if I'm like walking upstairs or, or walking up a hill. Like I never want anybody to see me out of breath because I feel like they're like, oh, well it's because she's big. And it's just like, you would probably be out of breath too. (laughs) Like as small as you are like that. Yes. It's, it's, it affects it. But at the end of the day, someone can be smaller than either one of us and be in the same physical shape, if that makes any sense. Like they'll still not have the endurance or or the strength yeah. to do these things. And I just wanted to hear like your thoughts. Like how do you how do you battle against that about you know looking the way you do but still being an athlete? That is an awesome question. And um, I think for me, it's literally just the proof of what I can mm-hmm. do. So as I mentioned, I got a lot of demons mm-hmm. with how I look and my specifically my worth as it relates to men mm. and hoping that men find me attractive, which is a whole nother series of Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's one thing, but on the flip side, what my body is able to accomplish, that's fun for me. That's where I actually am confident. And I, I a thousand percent um, agree with you about that need to not want to be like, please don't be your stereotype. Like, please, if there's one thing that you should do like, please don't be the hungry athlete who's also the big athlete. Don't be the one who's exhausted first because you're the biggest. Right. Um, but uh, that happens. I, that, that happens. I am hungry. I am hungrier than some of my smaller friends at mm-hmm. times. I, I also, I am many times the largest person in mm-hmm. the room. And that's if I'm teaching or if I'm taking a class. Mm. And it's, it's something that I notice, but it hasn't stopped me from participating. Right. And I think part of the reason it hasn't stopped me is because I have my PhD in being young, black, and cute. <laughs> and because um, being black and especially because I went to all, pri- I went to private schools with all rich white kids mm-hmm. and I'm the polar opposite of a rich white right. kid, then like standing out physically is just something that I've known for my entire mm-hmm. life. And it's not a surprise. It's something that I think anybody who's been the only one who looks like them in any sort of space when you start doing that from such a young age, you have no choice but to be really good at faking the funk. Mm. Even if it does bother you, because you have to survive, you figure out how to work through this pain in the ass thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's survival. Right. You just, you get, I've been so used to being the only one who looks like me for a million years that it doesn't phase me that much. 
when I go into a gym setting and I'm the only one who looks like me, I'm the biggest one in the room. And ironically, when I started doing, when I started doing pole dancing, that was a big catalyst for me because even though I was definitely the biggest in the room for years, it took me a long time, but eventually I could do the same things that my slender friends were doing. And I felt like that was one of the few places, that was the only place ever where I feel just as equal and valuable as smaller women. Is because we're both, even if I'm huffing and puffing, even if I'm dying with no air and everybody else is just like easily trotting along in class, if we all do the same class, I can say I did the same workout as you. Right. Uh, how I executed it was different, but I'm in the same class with the same teacher, same music. So that's the only place the gym is where I've actually felt the most equal mm. is because I could, I could, I could do right. it, you know, and also I think I would love to encourage people, especially larger athletes to think about the activities that you're doing. If you're doing an activity that, if you're doing something that's very cardio-based, it's probably gonna take you longer to, you know, maybe catch up to the same speed as other people in class. And that's because you just have more weight to move and to maneuver. And it's not because something is inherently wrong with you, it's just, it's going to take more effort. Your muscles have to build up more strength. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, you know, no one ever forgets if they've been the fat kid in gym or the slow one. And that was me. And so I'll never forget being the last one all the time, every single sport, you know, the coming in last place for anything speed related. Um, but as probably a couple of years ago, though, I discovered lifting weights. Mm -hmm. And nobody fucking told me that's where all the plus size chicks hang yes. out. <laughs> that is where we are. No, nobody told me, bitch, we don't care about you doing sprints. You were never built to sprint. You were built to pick up the zombies and throw them off the Manhattan <laughs> Bridge when the apocalypse comes. Right. And once I saw, once I got into lifting weights, and I started doing some Instagram stalking of people. <laughs> bitches are my size all over mm -hmm. the place. In fact, I might be considered on the smaller right. side of some weightlifters, especially the Olympic weightlifters. And I'm like, where the hell have you been my whole life? <laughs> I would have had a completely different attitude and a completely different outlook on myself had I seen female athletes my size from a younger age. I agree. I agree with that. Because when I started going to the gym heavy, I was on, I was a cardio bunny, right? So I was running, 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 or on the elliptical, yeah. or on the bikes, and because that's what I've been told my entire life. That's how you lose weight. You have to do cardio in order to lose weight. And then I I met this guy, and he was like, "Why don't you lift weights?" And I'm like, "Me lift weights? Like I'm a girl. Like what? Do, I'm not strong." And he's like, "I yeah. know what your legs look like. I know you can probably squat more than I can." He's like, "We're." tomorrow and we're gonna lift weights and he put me on the smith machine and he put i don't i think it was like 
I want to say it was like a hundred pounds plus the bar, right? Like, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, what? And he's like, do it. He's like, just do one. I'm going to spot you. You can do it. And I did it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is fire. And I fell in love with lifting weights since then. Like it just gave me such a sense of, of power and of confidence. And ever since then, whenever I go to the gym and people will tell me all the time, they're like, oh, you know, I love your confidence when you go to the gym. Like no one, no one can tell you anything. And I'm like, because when I go there, I put on my headphones, I put on my hat, I zone out with my music, I lift my weights and no one can tell me anything, but I know they're looking at me like, wow, this girl really just, cause I wouldn't even go to the weightlifting section. I need to, I need to see myself and I don't like to be a, around a bunch of guys for the most part. I will grab the barbell and walk my happy little ass right to like where the stretching section is, where everybody's like doing yoga and all this shit. And I would take my barbell and I would do my squats. I would do my deadlifts and I'll do my, you know, I usually do like active rest. So like I'll do burpees in between or I'll do jumping jacks in between just to make sure my heart rate stays up for my cardio aspect of it. But the lifting weights was it for me. And once I found out, I found that I loved the gym loved it yeah yeah and i could not agree with you anymore and i think one of the reasons why it took us to grown-ass women to figure this thing out is because nobody tells women and encourages women go lift heavy because this this is probably the worst damn stereotype that i hate is that when people are like oh if women lift weights over 10 pounds you're gonna bulk up man if you don't shut all the fuck right. up after there like because it's just not true we don't we typically don't have enough testosterone mm -hmm. to bulk what you're gonna do is probably get to a very common goal which is to have defined muscle mm -hmm. and people confuse defined muscles with i'm gonna look like the rock also shout out to dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> for being absolutely fucking gorgeous mm -hmm. and the most untoxic dude in hollywood right. put that out there <laughs> <You're listening>. anyway <laughs> shout out Ron. anyway so like um it's it's wild son is what it is it's just straight is wild and had i known again had i known in high school if someone said Roz, we don't give a shit about how fast you can run. I don't even like yeah. running. It's like, guess what, Roz? This is whole other world and it's meant for you and those thighs. This is where your quads have come to kill the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And when I introduced weightlifting to all of my clients, and as I mentioned, my clients are typically those who are um, overlooked in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. Um, or they're assumed to be weak, or they're assumed to be fragile. When I teach them how to do a squat or a bench press or a deadlift, they become meatheads so fast, and they're like, wait a minute. This is low-key the best thing I've ever done. And just like you, I was intimidated as hell. I was terrified of the weight room years mm -hmm. ago. I, was, I would never go into the free weight section of the gym because I didn't know how to use anything and I didn't want to kill myself. Right. Well, turns out that <laughs> <laughs> the free weight section is now my super safe place mm -hmm. on earth. And 
also just a pro tip for anybody who's like, I'm going to look dumb in the weight section. And when they look around to people, to, to big giant, like meathead, um, steroid dudes. And they're like, Oh, I can't lift as much as he can. That means I'm wrong. I can guarantee you about 75% of the time, his form right. Speak on that. People's form is so, so bad. And it's nothing, I wouldn't know that unless I was a trainer who studied mm -hmm. form. So I can tell you, do not be ashamed to pick up your five pound weight if that's where you're going to mm -hmm. start. Don't be ashamed if those five pounds are actually two pounds. If you are doing something correctly, guess what? You've won. And when you go to a real gym with real athletes, they're not going to look at you and say, oh, you're only doing that. They're going to be hyped as shit that you're doing it correctly. Right. And you can take that to the bank. Because mm -hmm. you're going to get the most benefit out of it anyway. If they're doing it wrong, yes. they, might, they might injure themselves or be out of commission for the next three days and you'll be back in the gym in two days and doing the same thing and you'll be okay. And maybe this time instead of, you know, five pounds, you do eight pounds. Exactly. That's exactly how it goes. When you build a strong foundation, slow and steady and almost boring and annoying, mm -hmm. once you have that foundation, it's not going anywhere. It's like building a basement out of concrete. Right. It's going to survive tornadoes, hurricanes, fucking COVID, <laughs> like an alligator apocalypse, sharknado. If you have a concrete basement, you're straight chilling. And that's what I try to impart in my students is we are building a concrete basement for you to build a gorgeous mansion off of. I love this. I, I love all of these pro tips. Guys, if you have not, you know, taken notes during this <laughs> podcast, I suggest you, you know, rewind and get your notebook and your pen and definitely write down all of these gems that Roz is giving us because, honey, <laughs> they are it. Um, so I know you have to go shortly, but I did want to get into our last segment, which is my favorite, and it's the Are You Deadass mm -hmm. segment. And before I start my deadass, I wanted to ask you if you had anything you wanted to get off your chest. Um, yes. <laughs> Two things. Number one, I've decided today that I aspire to a level of wealth where I can afford to have more than one slice of smoked salmon on a sandwich at one time. <laughs> this is also a similar mindset that if they ask me if I want guac and they have to say, I gotta warn you, it's $2 extra. I don't wanna give a shit about those $2. I want my guac, damn it, okay? That's the level, I wanna get guac and smoked salmon rich. <laughs> That's the first thing. Number two, I just want to just friendly send out a friendly reminder to Beyonce Giselle Nose Carter. She's been busy with lockdown, Jay, the kids, and everything else. I'm ready for the Mrs. Carter World Tour Part oh, Three. Goodness, yes. Part Two. Whatever part we're up to, I got you. Okay. I got a poll, I have a passport, and no kids. <laughs> so I'm not mad because I know you're a working mom, but I just want to let you know that I'm ready. All the way ready. Okay. You got to stay ready, yep. right? Stay ready so you can be ready. Or what's, okay. what, what's the saying? I don't even know. But we're ready over some, here. Some shit like that, yes. <laughs> um, so my, my are you that ass is very quick. 
Um, I don't know if you saw or if you follow Lizzo on Instagram, but she posted the period challenge, you know, where you show your butt basically yes. as a piece. And she looks amazing. Yes. She definitely lost some weight and I'm, I'm totally with it. Um, but me being me and being nosy, I went into the comments and mostly because I knew I was recording this episode and I just knew it would give me content and the internet never disappoints. And someone sure wrote, they were like, I thought she loved her body. Why does she feel the need to lose weight? Looks like self-hate. Oh. I'm sorry, what? Sir, what are we even oh. talking about right now? So because she loved her body at whatever weight she was before, that means that she doesn't want to eat better. That means that she doesn't want to get maybe a little bit more active because you may not be dieting. You may not be working out to lose weight. It could be for other reasons, you know? It can fight depression. It can, you just, maybe you want to lower your A1C so that you don't get diabetes. You know, all of these things and losing weight is a side effect of that. It doesn't mean that that was her overall goal. And I wish people would stop acting like bigger women or bigger people in general can't just want to do better without hating their body. I can love my body. Right now I am, weighing myself today, I am about 212. And I haven't been this way in a very long time. I was, I was generally around 195, 200, COVID hit and all of that, you know, whatever. Yep. But I'm happy. I am so happy in my skin. Boom. And yeah, sure. I would love to lose 10 pounds just because that's my comfortable weight. Cool. But that doesn't mean that I'm doing it because I hate my body. And I'm sick and tired of people assuming you know that. This, this, I could go off, I could go <laughs> off for like three hours about this. I think this is where the body positivity movement mm -hmm. could use some critiques mm -hmm. and take this to heart. And I, you know, I'm very, very, very sensitive about speaking about weight with my clients. Mm -hmm. And I let them know, you know, if you want to focus on weight loss, we can, but no one really wants to do that, you know, or they think they do, but once they get started, they're like, actually, I just want to be awesome. And if weight loss happens, great. So, you know, I, I am in favor of weight loss that you're doing in a healthy manner and healthy is determined to by, determined by healthcare professionals. And I, I think I do think that that's a little too extreme to say that all weight loss is bad mm -hmm. or intentional weight loss is bad. I think there's got to be room for nuance. I think the reasons why your weight fluctuates is complicated. I think, and, you know, even just to simplify it, let's, give people body autonomy right if they're not poisoning someone else even if they're doing something that you don't personally agree with does it mean that it's automatically wrong no <laughs> and you know this is where i wish some people and i know not everybody in body positivity thinks this way but i I have heard this, you know, I'm sensitive. I don't focus on weight loss, but if somebody asks me about it, I will be honest about my feelings. Mm -hmm. And 
I am a little cautious about how I speak about somebody else's weight. You know, if they've acknowledged it or how would they talk about it, you know, I try to like follow the bouncing ball, you know, before I say like, oh my God, you're awesome. You lost weight. Like when I kind of check in, like, how do you feel about Mm -hmm. this? And I want to reinforce whatever they're fe- like positive, whether, whatever they're feeling or just, you know, be a good support for them. And for some people that might be congratulating them on not, it's not about them losing weight, but it's about like, you put in effort, mm-hmm. you had a goal, you were determined, you worked your ass off. That's what I want to recognize. Yes. And I think, and you don't have to recognize that just when people lose weight mm-hmm. either. So I also want to acknowledge the the flaw in my argument, my own damn argument, (laughs) but there's, there's got to be room. It can't be either or like there's the world hates mostly fat people. Anyway, now we're going to figure out ways to hate ourselves. Are you fucking kidding me? Who has enough money to start dividing us into the good fats and the bad fats? Bitch, I'm trying to get paid. (laughs) I'm trying to pay off my taxes, pay off my student loans, get my credit card debt under control, (laughs) and run my own business in a fucking lockdown. And you're over here worried about morally positive fat people and immoral fat people. And I just don't have time. I have an opinion about it, but I don't have time to burden other people with my opinion about it. Right, right. Bruh. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> Just drink your water okay. and mind I'm your business. Also trying to get married sometimes. Thank you. <laughs> now, if people ask you, yeah, go ham. Right. But I, I try my best, and I'm sure I fuck this up sometimes. But I try my best not to make blanket statements about weight loss one way or the other, mm. unless it's something that I will like. If it's a hill, I'll die on, and I can back it up. Let's dance. <laughs> but it, it is a it's a minefield mm-hmm. is what it is I think that's something everybody can agree on weight loss is a fucking minefield oh, yeah. oh it's it's different for everyone what your mate what your weight means is different for everyone like it, it's it's so deep and it's so like inherently like psychological like it's just it's 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 a lot it's a lot and a lot of people don't realize yeah. what someone could have went through having to do with their weight. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree with that is before you launch into commenting about someone's weight, read the damn mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Figure out maybe like separately, like, you know, if, if you think someone's in danger, then say something. Right. But even that though, like what you define as danger is a whole nother topic of trolls. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so clearly I have some opinions about that too. <laughs> Man, I'm so like I almost wish I wasn't teaching right now because I would love to stay and talk more yeah, of this. Sure. So much I want to get into, but I also realize I've been running my mouth for an hour, so <laughs> your, your your listeners might need a pee break and to go get some water. <laughs> I know they're here for all the gems, but you know, maybe we'll have you back on sometime in the future. There's definitely a lot more than I want, that I want to talk to you about for sure. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be delighted to come back and round two. Yeah, definitely. But tell my listeners where they can find you. Yes. 
if you find Roz, R-O-Z, the diva, I'm all over the internet, Roz, the diva everywhere. That's my website, Instagram, Facebook, the whole shebang-a-bang. Um, feel free to stalk me. I have every class that I teach is on my calendar, which is on my website. Um, and I'm usually naked, sweaty, and cursing at <laughs> some dude somewhere. So <laughs> Yes, all of her information will be linked down below in the description. Thank you guys for tuning in to um, another episode of the Do I Look Fat podcast. You can find me, underscore Steffi Kiss, S-T-E-P-H-Y-K-I-S-S on Instagram, or Do I Look Fat pod on Instagram. Again, all will be down low. Um, thank you again, Roz. Thank you so much for, for coming and being on my pod. I really, truly appreciate it. It's a delight. And it gave me, it gave me something positive to look forward to this afternoon and not just avoiding the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.